0: What's up, everybody? I'm back with another edition of the Macro Insights podcast where I'm joined by Bob Coleman. Bob is the founder of Idaho Armored Vaults, who is a gold and silver and precious metals company, which allows you to purchase Any kind of precious metal you would like and they hold it on for you and they have the lowest lowest margins in the game we get into his business model kind of why he wants to go through and do the precious metals then we break down the entire precious metals market uh it becomes a lot of news when uh, it's very inflationary uh, especially when we have numbers like we do now with cpi unemployment getting up Uh, so it's generally known as a safe haven so we kind of dive into that and much much more so as always ladies and gentlemen Tune in for another action-packed episode And then if you're listening on any audio podcast, please 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 hit that subscribe button to get this directly to your feed all the new episodes Uh, give it a five-star rating wherever you listen it to and if you are listening on video check it out on my youtube or even if not if you're not listening to it on uh video just go to my youtube and hit that subscribe button for me and help grow that channel as well because that really really does help me bring on some absolutely quality guests and then as always ladies and gentlemen Please, please, please remember that this is not financial advice. Everything you hear in this podcast is strictly the opinion of Bob and myself and should never be taken as financial advice. Now, let's get into the episode. Whoosh. What's up, everybody? I'm back with another edition of the Macro Insights Podcast, and for those listening on any audio or video... Feel free to hit that subscribe button to get the next Macro Insights podcast directly to your feed. Give it a five-star rating. If you're listening on Podcasting 2.0 apps such as Fountain, give it a boost. Uh, Give it a like and give it a comment. Let me know what you think about all these episodes, and it definitely helps me bring in quality guests. But but first, before I introduce my guest, I'd like to shout out to my sponsor, Idaho Armored Vaults. You can find them at goldsilvervault.com. So go ahead and check them out, because Bob Coleman, he's the man, he's the myth, he's the legend. I actually am interviewing here shortly, but he's been an investment manager uh, in the industry since 1992. He founded Profits Plus Capital Management in 2001, and he did much, much more. But Idaho Armored Vaults has been around since 2008. They're there to help you protect your financial assets Provide property outside of the financial system from numerous risks, including systematic and counterparty. And it is uniquely vertically integrated to structure, uh, procures transport stores, and provides extensive liquidity using physical precious metals such as gold and silver. So go ahead and check them out at goldsilvervault.com. That's goldsilvervault.com. And tell them Green Candle sent you. And I already did a little little spiel here, but I do have Bob Coleman, the founder of GoldandSilver.com, Idaho Armored Vaults. Bob, how are we doing today, man? Welcome to the Good. show. Good, Brandon. Thank you for having me. All right, man. Well, so I gave a little spiel. I gave I, I stole your thunder a little bit, telling a little bit about your background. But why don't you get into it? Uh, how did you get to where you are today? And uh, tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah,
1: definitely. <clears throat> I've been in the financial world, I guess, my whole career, uh, got into the business in 1992, uh, in 1993, actually, um, originally I took all the licenses with IDS financial services, which was a basically a financial planning organization, I guess, taken over by American express, uh, but didn't want to be an insured salesman. So I got into, uh, with Dean Witter back in 93, uh, that eventually got taken over by, uh, Morgan Stanley, Uh, then I left, went independent uh, in 98 and then started my own investment advisory uh, firm in 2001 uh, and then also started a hedge fund back then as well. Uh, My uh, uh, RIA or registered investment advisory firm is Profits Plus capital management. And then basically 2006, we kind of saw the markets uh, leveraging up and I was getting extremely worried um, and started really researching how to hold your assets out of the system and then what assets actually hold. And so gold and silver made a lot of sense to me at the time. There wasn't uh, a lot of depositories to to choose from. So when I did all my risk analysis and so forth, ended up, um, uh, nothing ever, no depository actually met really my my long term goals. I guess you could say. So I ended up starting my own depository business in 2008. Our facility went live in 2010, um, and have just been growing ever since. So that uh, Idaho Armored Vaults does the depository work, um, and then also in 2009 I started buying selling metals for clients, um, uh, and that now is under Profits Plus Precious Metals. Uh, so it's not necessarily a dealer per se. I'm more of like, I call myself a purchaser representative because we work on behalf of the client to get them the best price. And that's one of the reasons why we beat every dealer in the country in price. It's just, uh, we work directly with the wholesalers and we have a small markup um, that we have uh, that allows us to sort of, Pay for some of the insurance and other types of costs uh, to run it, but we don't have these mag- mega mark- markups that you typically see with a lot of online and, and, and other retail dealers. So it, it helps the investor try to get more metal for their money. And it gives them a chance to try and break even at a much smaller rate. Um, Cause there are premiums associated with physical products, unlike a paper or digital product, which doesn't have any premium to it at all. So, You round it all out together and you just try to build an an overall plan for the the customer or the client in terms of how to protect your wealth. And then, of course, we insure and store all assets here at the facility. We have a $600 million all-risk insurance policy through Lloyd's of London. Uh, We also have courier policies, armored fleet that we also can run uh, in armored trucks, uh, uh, high-value items as well. Um, and then also we have a freight policy on top of that, so we can we can logistically help the client uh, either move the assets out of a program or even out of their house or deliver it to their house if they need it. So uh, we've taken delivery from the Comex, uh, from programs overseas, Perth Mint, you name it. Uh, we've helped uh, clients move those assets around, uh, especially from Singapore. We we store also at, in Singapore as well. Um, but um, uh, it's just to me, it's it's trying to build a program wrapped around the client versus the client trying to find a program that maybe best fits their needs. But you know, you're still susceptible to whatever the rules and sort of the guidelines of that sp- that that program offers. So, it, you know, we we tried to make it look or try to make it much more appealable to the client, so we can actually fulfill their certain requests or or demands. Uh, A lot of our clients are high net worth, institutional type clients, that type of thing. So everyone has different needs. So we try to help with that.
0: Yeah, that's awesome stuff. But the the first the question that comes to my mind is, you know, why the precious metals? Why did you decide to kind of get into that realm? Uh, I know you kind of mentioned, you know, you had the traditional finance background. And that was a little bit before 2008, you know, that, that crash and everything like that. So uh, did the 2008 crash or kind of that looming uh, effect of that kind of have something to do with you getting into it. And uh, yeah, like, why, why did you decide to, I guess, I don't know if it's really much of a career sw- switch, but it's more of, I guess, uh, you know, from managing equities to, to precious metals.
1: Yeah, it, it. what I looked at was when you saw these banks leveraging up, I mean, you had, you know, 30 to 1, 50 to 1 type leverage uh, 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 portfolios or, or businesses like, you know, Goldman Sachs or of course, Washington Mutual and all that kind of stuff. You know, when you see that type of stuff happening, and of course, we didn't have quantitative easing then. You didn't have you know all these the alphabet programs that bailed out uh, financial institutions and and big name investors and, and other funds that were trapped in the system, so to speak, um, with counterparty risk and all that type of stuff when 2008 did happen. But before all that, the, the big question was, you were staring at systemic risk right in the face. And, and to me, I was like, I don't know how you protect that with a brokerage account in all honesty. I mean, yeah, you could buy puts on the market, but like we saw with AIG when AIG failed or was going to fail, they got bailed out just because they could actually, uh, uh settle that trade with Goldman Sachs, for example, you know, the, you know, AIG was the losing party and they had to make good, you know, on Goldman Sachs. So, you know, that, when you see that kind of stuff, um, uh, before all that happens, you you try to plan the best you can. Of course, crypto wasn't around; Bitcoin was around, anything like that. So, and and the metals had five thousand years of history. So you had you had a defined asset that had um, tr- tradition, history. It had uh, you know, already a network effect, so to speak. Um, so you weren't recreating the wheel. Uh, You keep it simple, uh, basically. And so uh, when that happened uh, in 2008, obviously that was the right call. It's just that as an investment advisor, I I think I'm the only registered investment advisor in the country that owns a depository. Um, And so um, it it was very novel at the time because most depositories, in fact, all depositories out there are either owned by a gold dealer or a financial institution or a cash in transit type company, like a Brinks that, that moves cash or, or check clearing operations, that type of thing. So they're all designed around uh, transactional business. Uh, and the storage business is just a small part of their overall plan. And what I looked at was, hey, if the economy goes down, you don't want to be into a depository that really relies on its parent to pay the bills. And so what I did was look at this thing from a completely opposite perspective. I looked at it from a, a client's perspective, which is, hey, listen, I've already owned the metals. Now I want to store it with a company that is tied to the hip with me, not necessarily doing its own thing after I've got my metals through them. So, so it, it's a, it's an odd way of thinking, but to me, it's thinking on behalf of the client first, uh, and then, you know, how we can that then what's best for us at that point. So it it really it, solves that fiduciary type of obligation, I think, uh, if that makes sense. So so when you kind of wrap all that together with the 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 market at the time back then, um you were looking at I looked at you know counterparty risk, systemic risk, you look at uh you know the the nationalization or confiscation issues that like Bank of Holiday in 1933, for example, when when they were calling in uh gold and basically that was done to Sort of increase the money supply where they could inflate uh, in a time frame where you had the depression going on, and they needed to inflate the money supply somehow to try and stimulate the economy. That was really the essence of that. It wasn't really necessarily announced that uh, that they were uh, having people turn in uh, their metal for. Um, but you look at you know you lo- I looked at. Uh, you know, Multi authenticity risk, you know, making sure you can get the metals uh, and then that the, the facility itself doesn't have any type of obligation to somebody else, doesn't do leasing, doesn't do loans, uh, you know, can't touch the client's metal uh, in case they you know, whether they have to default on a transaction or, or choose a defaulting on a transaction versus, hey, listen, I could take it out of this box for a moment and put it right back. Um, I didn't want to have any of that obligation. And so I ended up sometimes when you got to do it right, you got to do it yourself. And that's basically
0: what I did. Yeah, that's great stuff. And it, it is kind of interesting because, yeah, like you said, there was no Bitcoin at that time or, you know, it was just kind of being, I, I don't know, quote unquote invented, however you want to describe it. Um, but so so gold, the, the the flock to gold kind of make made sense, right? Because like, you know, the, the that was kind of the way that they got out of the 2008 bubble was, you know, essentially just money printing. And then they found out like, hey, we can just do this to get out of any uh, potential crash. And that's where kind of where we're at right now. But um, yeah, so like, have you kind of seen, I guess, more of a flock towards, um, you know, I mean, I guess, I I don't know if you can go into like the full disclosure on how the business is doing, but have you seen, you know, I guess more of a flock towards, um, you know, the precious metals right now, because we're seeing, you know, a giant inflationary push when it seemed like the narrative was kind of... uh, you know, at some point, like, you know, gold wasn't doing super well in the 2020, like 2021-ish time. And now it seems to be doing a little bit better. Um, So, you know, are you seeing more of, I guess, a push towards it now? Um, And why do you think there wasn't, I guess, the initial push towards it when, you know, the excessive money printing was going on initially?
1: Yeah. um, Since 2008... well, if you want to go backwards a little bit in time, 2008,
0: 2009. Um... Well, we lost you there for a second, but uh, to, to get you back, basically, I was asking, you know, what do you think, I guess, you know, when you started this in all in 2008. You know, it seemed like 2020 was kind of a similar time where we were going through QE, a lot of money printing, but the narrative around gold was it was pretty stagnant from 2020 to 2021-ish time, and it seems to be doing better now um as far as like the price to dollar the exchange rate whatever you want to kind of use that term um so you know why do you think that it was kind of stagnant when it seemed like you know inflation was almost imminent with uh, the massive amounts of money printing that we saw you know kind of similar to the 2008-9 time and uh you know why is it i guess just kind of why was it kind of i guess a delayed reaction to start doing a little bit better than it is now
1: yeah going back to um you know to 2008 timeframe, when you had the, the big meltdown in the markets, gold at the time then was used as a source of liquidity, and and gold tends to do that. It, yeah, you know, it's a it, it's first a safe haven, but at some point it's used for liquidity because a lot of money managers and so forth don't want to just sell all their equities or their fixed income; they rather just sell the asset that doesn't have any. Uh, interest or dividend attached to it which typically would be gold i mean it's used sometimes as a hedge or as a non-correlated asset so it's common to be liquidated um when you know portfolio manager is trying to save the rest of his book so to speak um doesn't mean it's right but and and you have to go back in time a little bit because in 2008 the uh futures markets and the leverage that was involved with precious metals was a lot greater than it was today so uh you had a lot bigger swings in the market on the paper side um that tended to influence the physical market uh uh and which is kind of an interesting thing because i think the gold and silver market are one of the few markets where you know the physical market is really dominated by the paper action Uh, or structured products and that type of thing so walking into 2020 when you had the march meltdown uh scenario uh, gold actually held up well to a certain point but when eventually everything just gave way like the you know the levy broke so to speak uh it just started taking everything down with it so silver went from like 16 17 down to like 12 bucks and gold took a beating went down a couple hundred dollars um uh, but when the Fed then kicked in um uh you have this sort of um you know the other side of the equation is the money printing the 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 reaction to that and the reaction to currency debasement, all that kind of stuff. and so there was so much creation of money at that time, you know obviously it started lifting everything back up and 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 gold actually did real, rather well uh, and I think it went to a, a new all time high. Uh, In 2020, in August of 2020, and then it kind of peaked out at that point. And that's actually the same at the same time the bond market actually topped was around the same time gold actually peaked. Um, And then the commodities themselves actually didn't start doing well until after gold peaked. And a lot of what I looked at at the time in 2020 was gold started to be used as a carrying trade, I guess you could say, to start saying, listen, I think there's, <clears throat> I could use gold as as um, one leg of uh, the position and then I could go long commodities as the other leg. Um, and so as a sort of like a, almost like a short gold or sell gold and go long oil or go long, you know, eggs or whatever it may be that, uh, you know, because th- people were expecting the economy to start perking back up because of all the money printing and stimulus and all that type of stuff. So gold was sort of a carry trade for that period of time. Uh, for for the for the next couple of years and then um it started getting its footing obviously when the ukraine uh incident happened and then you know gold took off again um uh and then you know it's been a sort of a rocky road because then the fed came in and started cutting rates and so forth and that that, that cutting rates a lot of hedge funds a lot of portfolio managers went to the playbook of okay they're going to be i'm sorry not cutting rates but but quantitative tightening. They started to remove money from, from the uh, markets. So the basically the playbook at that point was short anything and everything, including commodities, because traditionally when money supply gets tight, it has a negative impact on, on asset prices. Well, summer of last year, what ended up happening, which was very, very unique, is that uh, the precious metals, uh, gold, silver, platinum, palladium uh, started to sell off during that playbook of you know June started to roll around, prices started to drop on a lot of different things. Uh, the paper price started diving a lot quicker than the physical price, and so you had this odd, oddity with these backwardations where the where the physical price was actually the spot price was actually more expensive than the the near term or lead month futures contract and and that persisted for about three months you know usually those are very rare occurrences and they only last for maybe a week or two and it doesn't happen in in all four precious metals at once and in fact it doesn't happen in gold very much at all because gold is traditionally um uh you know it has some degree of financing to it or some type of um collateralization to it so that it it yeah, you know, there is some interest rate associated with gold, but 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 the um, when all that started happening, India jumped into the picture and said, listen, if you're going to take silver down to below 21, we're just going to sit there and start buying everything that's not nailed down. And it, and, and they started doing that. And so it, Western investors were selling things off and you had portfolio managers and CTAs, you know, commodity trade advisors that were net going net short metals and net short silver back in september in fact they went net short when they hit peak net short was about a day or two off of the actual low uh in silver itself so um uh th- that it was a paper phenomenon that drove metal prices into the ground um uh and then uh once things started to you know the physical market started to exert itself um uh the shorts started covering and they couldn't pressure it like they Normally could have, and you started to see the metal prices lift, and then silver kind of take off into the end of the year. Um, gold then sort of rallied, in, in January had a strong January, uh, and then had a big pullback in February. And of course, then the banking crisis happened, and everything exploded, and and you kind of see what's happening right now, where you know the, the gold and silver are moving more on a, a factor of mistrust and and confidence i think than they are anything else right now because the fed is still raising rates they're still trying to tighten i guess you could say well quasi-tighten because you know they just added 300 billion dollars or expanded their balance sheet by 300 billion when the banking crisis happened so that didn't that that basically negated some of the qt that they were doing six months prior but but you, it's it's a, it's really a game of chicken at this point. You know, it's a worry of hey, listen, it's not a return on my money anymore. Now it's a return of my money, and so it's it's trying to identify from an investor standpoint where's the safe places to go. Do, is it treasuries? Is it is it uh, you know? Do I throw it into the stock market? Do I you know? Do I do I go into private equity or whatever it may be? Is just a lot of that stuff that's going on right now, trying to understand. Um, You know, the long term ramifications, if the markets get volatile and choppy again, will the Fed come in? If the banks start to go under again, will the will the Fed come in and and blast off money supply? Because really, in essence, we're in a situation where uh, the system needs liquidity to survive and it needs liquidity more for, you know, more for refinancing all this debt that constantly comes due it it rolls on a constant basis so you have just so much money each year or so much debt each year that has to be financed some, somehow and that's one of the problems that the fed has right now is is that they're trying to curtail money supply which is trying to attack inflation but at the same time they're they're disrupting the natural flow of refinancing and repo activity uh from the from the bank side and that's creating some of this, uh, you know, massive volatility, I guess you could say. So, and, and so to bring it back to simplicity, I guess, with gold and silver, the idea beti- behind buying physical metals is partly saying, listen, <clears throat> the Fed at some point is going to have to increase the money supply or increase liquidity if they're ever going to try and get the economy back into gear again or, necess- or, or more so finance the U.S. government deficits that, you know, right now we've been stuck in this sort of debt limit uh, uh, ceiling situation. You know, if if the debt ceiling limit gets lifted, uh, the, the U.S. government's gonna come to market with more debt. They're gonna need to have that finance. Who's gonna actually finance debt? You know, is it gonna come out of the financial markets and basically have a crowding out effect where uh, uh, stocks go down uh, in order to satisfy U.S. Treasury's demand for capital? Or is it gonna be going back to the days where the the Fed you know, the last couple of years when they were doing QE were, was financing 90 plus percent of all the issuances. Um, and so with banks sort of on the ropes, uh, it's harder for the primary dealers to absorb, you know, a, a, a massive wave of, of new treasury uh, issuance uh, without the help of the Fed.
0: So, yeah, you, you kind of alluded to it, right, the, the banking crisis that we're seeing in here right now, which it seems like it's kind of causing a lot of panic in the markets, right? There's a lot of volatility. Um, you know, you saw, we saw FRC, First Republic Bank, uh, kind of crash, and that stock was moving in 40% plus swings in like one day. They even halted trading on it because of how volatile it was being. Do you think that this is like a positive for for gold? I mean, and I know you kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier, but you know, <clears throat> with gold and silver and whatnot, like obviously you guys are are very insured, and um you know, you you have the history of kind of you know a storing and everything like that. But it seems like before, you know, the banks were kind of the safe haven, right? Do you think that it's kind of the narrative is going to kind of switch where? You know, maybe the safe haven is going to start to be, um, you know, maybe the precious metals just because of like, you know, the insurance policies that you kind of laid out earlier. And like some of some of those things, like the backing that some of these companies, um, you know, need to have in order to to hold precious metals seems like it's more than than it is uh, for a bank. So I don't know if you want to kind of get into the differences there, but uh, do you of yeah. think that it uh, that that helps in a sense?
1: Yeah, there's a degree of confidence that you have to have as a depository, <clears throat> having a Lloyd's of London policy is is critical. Um, Lloyd's is really the only one that that uh, it's a more of a marketplace, but it's really um, it, it's a marketplace place that brings together a lot of different insurance companies that can take on that type of exposure together versus one insurance company that covers the entire facility. No, But no one insurance company would take that kind of exposure. So, so it it helps to having that. You know, it it there's a degree of sort of like almost like a having that Lloyd's policy. There is some ramifications. There's some responsibilities. There's uh, surveys that are done. Uh, from a security standpoint, that gives the lead underwriter uh, assurances that, hey, listen, there is structure to this depository. There's a role and responsibility uh, by staff, and uh, the, you know the, the, you have the the cameras and the sensors and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's there, and it's been it's been documented and so forth. So that helps bring legitimacy to, to a depository. Um, you want to obviously stay away from depositories that don't offer any insurance whatsoever. And they say, listen, it's up to you to get the insurance. That, that's not necessarily the, the brightest thing, or that could be a red flag uh, you know, for the client to look at. Um, from a standpoint of, of safety, it is important to understand that the, the precious metals markets, the cash market, and depositories are largely Unregulated. That there is, it literally is the wild west out there. You have, uh, when it comes to buying precious metals, you really have to, as a consumer, do your due diligence, understand who you're actually buying from, because that same gold eagle coin could be 20 different dealers selling it at 20 different prices. And when you go to sell it back, there's what they call a spread between what you buy it for and what you sell it for. And that spread can be rather wide, especially in the silver market. Um, There's a lot of Uh, Because of that unregulated type of atmosphere, there's a lot of dealers that take a lot of advantage, especially of older uh, clientele um, uh, or retired people uh, that may not understand how the market works and so forth, Uh, especially in this day and age where a lot of people have come into this market because of fear, because of worry and concern, um, and not really being an avid precious metals person beforehand, really living in the world of CDs and stocks and bonds. People can't get taken advantage of very easily, so it's important to do your due diligence. Try and look at, uh, try and read and understand uh, as much as you can. Um, certainly, with clients uh, of ours, they can call in. I can educate them and and give them some pointers and tips of what to look for, what the questions to ask for. In fact, on our website, we have a full array of articles and videos uh, that I've done that, that uh, explains. Uh, what to look for in a depository, in that type of setting. Uh, a lot of the different questions to, to look for: the going concern risk, the different structures that 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 depository may be operating under, not just as a depository, but also as a dealer or or as as another type of uh, in, uh, institution or company. Uh, that's and and the depository is only a small ancillary business of that. So you have to be careful with, you know, if the economy goes down. Does it take down the parent company with it? And of course, then you don't want to be in a situation where you're trying to get your metals out uh, of a potential receivership, receivership type of issue, like you know we just had with First date Depository going under. Uh, you know, people have been waiting, you know, six months, nine months to get their metals out, uh, and then the costs associated with trying to get their metals out. So, so it's it's it, there's a lot of um, knowledge, I guess you have to really understand and, and try to ask a lot of detailed questions on um, ask questions that you know, may not be that, that may be sort of um, uh, in your face type of questions to that depository or to that dealer Don't be nice about it you know it's your money you know, d- demand answers you know especially if it's you know, uncomfortable questions don't be afraid to ask them because if <clears throat> if the uh, person on the, other than the line doesn't want to answer that question you know that might be a red flag. Uh, so that that's something to to to, to try and um, you know, it's just like buying a car. You're asking every you want to kick the tires. You want to understand all the bells and whistles to it. Same thing with our industry. So um, yeah, that that's important, um, especially with regard to the markets how they're acting right now. A lot of people uh, are trying to understand in terms of hey, listen, as my as my <clears throat> you see a lot with high net worth individuals above the two hundred fifty thousand dollar mark with FDIC protection. You know, they want to maybe put some of this away where you know, gold and silver doesn't have any counterparty risk to it when you when it's held directly uh, uh, and it's important to understand what held directly means um, whether you're holding it at your house or you have it with a depository in a segregated environment where you have a direct uh, account or direct relationship with that depository um, you hold it directly and so therefore um, you don't rely on an intermediary or a third party or a dealer to, to uh, settle that trade or, or, or uh, be the in-between party between you and the depository. So, so understanding all that makeup uh, is important uh, because what at the end of the day, while you buy metals, one of the reasons is that it's an insurance policy it's there uh, as protection in case, you know, everything else uh, kind of goes to hell in the handbasket, so to speak, or, you know, what a lot of uh, high net worth individuals are doing now is they're buying metals um, because they're concerned about political risk. They're concerned about future taxation policy or social policy. So you have, for example, the the, the Trump tax cuts back in 2017. Those provisions, those sunset uh, 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 provisions, I guess, are going to come due, or, or you know, the personal tax rates are going to start reverting back to the 2017 tax rates. So, so personal income taxes are going to start rising again in 2025. So uh, a lot of people are saying, listen, at some point, you know, maybe the best thing is to have it in a bearer asset form. So from an estate planning perspective, or from a standpoint of, I don't know what the world's going to look like two or three years from now, at least I know I have an asset that's lasted through, you know, centuries and empires and civilizations, and it's still around. Um, and so it's, uh, Yeah, it it's just you know sometimes human behavior or human nature is to, you know what you can hold in your hand is what you can trust.
0: Yeah, no, for sure, and it definitely seems like that's the way. Uh, you know that that um. But it's interesting. You kind of brought up like high net worth individuals because I, I kind of want to get dive into that. Because it always seems like, you know, I, I as a, as a younger generation, right? I mean, it there, there hasn't been a much appeal to, you know, the gold and silver, like the precious metals market. Um, <clears throat> so, what are you kind of, I guess, doing to to help like appeal to that kind of market and? Um, you know, why do you think that, uh, you know, obviously it's not financial advice or anything like that, but, you know, for somebody that's a little bit younger where you're seeing a lot of inflation, like what what is, uh, I guess, the appeal to the metals that you think that, you know, everybody should probably allocate some portion of their portfolio to?
1: Yeah, the, for the, especially for the younger generation, I think it's, it's a wonderful, you know, crypto has done wonders i think um for for the younger generation to kind of understand money itself you know that the basement of currency how maybe the markets work the you know, the idea that central banks are there to you know potentially create inflation which is which is ultimately co- you know making someone's cost of living go up uh, where at the same time maybe their their uh, income levels aren't keeping up with that cost of living, and so um, I think the the crypto market has de- definitely done a great job of trying to educate uh, its way into the younger generation. Um, the metals are an interesting uh, asset class because it's has stood the test of time. I mean it's been around uh, for five thousand years. So for for the basically someone to say, listen, I, you know, I'm, I'm in, I like the smoke and mirrors of technology and, 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 you know, the metals are for all the, the old people. Um, maybe so, but, but, you know, it, you know, the, the advantage of gold and silver is one, you can pass it down from generation to generation. Um, uh, it's something you can hold in your hand. It's a bearer asset. Uh, it's something you can use to barter with. You don't need to have any type of, uh, 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 settlement or nodes or any type of, uh, financial structure to be able to settle that transaction. And, you know, if, if you want to pay your, your neighbor to mow your lawn, you give them a silver dollar or silver coin. Um, uh, you don't have to record that transaction, uh, with, uh, you know, th- through, you know, like you typically do like with, uh, Bitcoin or anything else. It's, it's a very private oriented type of, uh, system that's been around forever. So, um, it's, it's, it's I guess it adds simplicity to to the equation versus in the day and age of technology and a i and 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 all this other stuff sometimes it's nice to be able to kind of just recharge your batteries a little bit and 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 have something that's just outside the system, and a lot of people like just the the appeal of looking at it. You know, collecting these uh, coins or bars, whatever it may be, or getting into maybe the older coins. Once you've had a portfolio of of, of bullion, so to speak, uh, and you wanted to venture out, a lot of people tend to see, hey, listen, this is history I'm holding in my hand. Um, so yeah, you know, it's you know it's, for some it may be a great appeal to that.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, that that makes a lot of sense. Right. I mean, that that's kind of like the argument. Right. It's the original hard money. Right. I mean, you, you throw a gold coin on your uh, on your desk or on a table or something, you're going to hear it cling a couple of times here or there, uh, to say the very least. And yeah, I mean, you, you know, it's been around for quite some time. But, um, you know, what I think is interesting is that, you know, it, typically it's been looked at as an inflation hedge. And, you know, when we're, we're having like massive amounts of inflation right now, and there's, you know, it seems like a looming recession. Um, so, you know, w- when gold is uh, kind of, I guess, like a flight to safety um, or some of the other precious metals, like it seems like for me, you know, it's always the narrative is surrounding around gold. Well, you know, is it kind of like, I guess, I, I don't know, maybe like, uh, a major growth tech stock, like, um, you know, like an Apple or a Microsoft or something like that, where, you know, majority of the other stocks kind of follow these, these bigger players, where it's like, you know, majority of these other precious metals kind of follow gold. Um, Is it something along those lines? Or, you know, is there, I guess, a scenario where maybe some, some other precious metal kind of outperforms gold or outperforms, uh, you know, the entire, I guess, precious metal market?
1: Yeah you you had like rhodium for example go from 1000 or 800 dollars an ounce to i think it was like twenty five, twenty six thousand 26000 dollars an ounce um you know just a few years ago yeah not not too long ago actually um you know silver is one of the few assets out there that's below its 1980 high i mean try and name another metal that is below 1980s highs uh, or below 1980s prices for that matter you know, it's it's been uh, an asset that's uh, you know, there's a lot of nuance that goes on with silver um, you know, in terms of it's you know seventy percent of for example with silver seventy percent is a byproduct of of other mining so it's not all just primary silver producers uh, that that mine it so you have you know gold mines copper lead zinc uh, they'll they'll mine as part of that primary metal they'll mine some silver and so it's sort of a byproduct um but it's it's uh it's just one of those things that the metals tend to do really well in certain periods of time it's not the greatest asset all the time um it just it does well when you have uncertainty uh and that uncertainty can be in different forms whether it's political uncertainty whether it's financial uncertainty whether it's counterparty risk or systemic type of risk where where the, the people are saying listen I, the only way the government can get out of this mess is to print more money and 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 you tend to see that when the debt levels are through the roof and you know you're talking over 30 trillion dollars in debt with the treasury you're talking um you're, you're talking uh um you know massive credit card debt uh you know uh, you name any metric and it's going to be extremely high with whatever debt private equity or sorry private cap pr- private company debt or public company debt all that type of stuff and you're seeing it now with the, with the bank market or the banking stocks you know having been forced to buy all this low yielding debt a couple of years ago now that the you know mark the market kind of came into into um or i should say now that uh, uh, rates had come back up and then you know people that are you know, it's tired of getting 0.3% at the checking account or the savings account, saw that, hey, I can get 5% in a, in a treasury money market account or or, or or a T-bill, you started seeing that migration. Uh, and that's something that the Fed may not have seen coming. Um, and it's just something very simple like that, that starts the, uh, you know, the ball rolling, so to speak, uh, rolling downhill, and it starts to pick up speed. And, you know, the, the problem you have in our markets is we don't Always see what's coming down the road. It's impossible to see, uh, you know, the next event or the next geopolitical event, or or, or you know, whether Ty- Taiwan something happens there, or you know, it, th- those are the types of things that gold and silver tend to be. That's when they tend to shine. Uh, no pun intended. But it, it's it allows the uh, it that non-correlated feature of the market. It allows. That part of the portfolio to hold its ground when typically maybe the stock market or other markets like last year you had you know the stock and bond markets get whacked um, um, and um, sorry sorry about that Let me just, Um you had um, uh, you had the stock and bond markets get whacked in in last year and gold and silver actually silver was up on the year. Um, And gold was just pretty much flat on the air. So, that, you know, they did their job. Um, And that's something that I think the market is starting to wake up and realize and say, hey, listen, you know, silver isn't just this fly by night, volatile rocket ship that goes all over the place. It just withstood one of the largest percentage increases of interest rates by the Federal Reserve uh, um, in it you know, in the last 50 years and it was actually up on the year. And so you start to see questions get asked and you start to see maybe institutions and, and more investors look at this asset class and say, maybe there's something here. There's potential value here uh, that hasn't been really unlocked since, you know, maybe 2011 uh, when silver was at $50 back then. But, but the way the, the charts look and the way you see the market, um, uh, Act and you see the structure of the market. There is accumulation that's going on under the surface. You're seeing this, you know, and you just look at India. The the amount of silver that they bought last year, uh, when it broke under 21, was just incredible. And so you have somewhat of what to call a floor, I think, in the market, um, you know, where other countries are coming in and just saying, "Listen, we're going to buy everything that's not nailed down," and 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 that's again, you have cost of production of silver especially amongst the primary producers which is around 20 21 dollars an ounce you have you know gold's cost of production is between 1500 and 1600 dollars an ounce so there those tend to be bottoms in the market um uh and you know we just saw a big bottom last year in the metals markets and then it just came roaring off of that off of that low especially the market got very very negative uh you know going into the fall and i think it got negative really because it was paper selling that was driving it down it wasn't that you know everyone was just walking away from any interest in the physical metal it, it there was a, a lot of tightness in the market that was developing last year uh, and you saw it in, in again the backwardation and and and, and the, the the amount of inventory uh, that came off of the exchanges whether it's London or new York
0: yeah and it definitely seems like yeah there, there's going to be potentially I, I guess some increase in the, uh, the asset class just as a whole, you know, kind of going forward. Um, so is that something that you kind of, uh, I guess, project out? I mean, obviously, it's not any like financial advice or anything. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, you know, the, the younger generation has kind of, uh, you know, played with a lot of volatility lately, whether it's, you know, some alternative crypto coin or it's, uh, you know, some, you know, GameStop or AMC, some of these meme uh, stocks, things like that. So, you know, do you think, I guess, that there's going to be almost like kind of a reversion from that and more of a flock towards, uh, I guess, some more stability where like, you know, uh, the precious metals are, you know, generally known as that. They're not really known to have – you know, I, I forgot the metal that you named earlier, but it basically like three x in a year. Yeah, yeah, rhodium.
1: Yeah, yeah. it went from a thousand. Yeah, uh, that went twenty five x or something like that. Something crazy. Yeah, no, you, you're absolutely right. It, the the metals aren't going to be like a Bitcoin. It's not designed to be like a Bitcoin. Uh, it's not designed to have you know the massive <clears throat> appeal and leverage and and you know off exchange type of uh, platforms that you can do with some of the cryptos out there. But then again, it's it's not going to have these massive uh, waterfall events, or it's not going to have where these crypto exchanges go under and take you know your money with it. Um, it. It's it's really designed. It's it's like the tortoise and the hare, I guess, if you want to look at a fable or or you know nursery rhyme type of thing. It it's a slow, steady type of time in the market versus timing the market yes there's a lot of people that trade gold and silver you certainly can make money doing that you you know you you could go on to the futures market and leverage and and get that type of activity Um, but at the end of the day most people that buy physical metal are more interested in saying hey listen I made some money in another investment, or I'm, you know, I'm making money via income, and I want to protect that, and I want to put it away just like I would maybe into a savings account. Uh, and now that uh, you know, inflation and and we see the system for what it is, the, the 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 liquidation or I'm sorry, the liquidity that has to be created to keep this whole system afloat, you know, the Fed can try and curtail money supply for a certain period of time, but you obviously see the effects of it you know, with, with the banking, uh, funding of, of banks and that type of thing. So, so, so I think more and more people are waking up and it's great that the younger generation is seen this is that they see the idea that, hey, there has to be money printing. There's no other way out of this mess. Otherwise, we're the ones that are going to be forced to kind of cover this whole thing, you know, 15, 20 years from now. And that's not fair. I mean, it's certainly, you know, the younger generation is walking into a, a real, you know, money pit, I guess you could say. Um, and, and the question is, how do they protect themselves? You know, if if the only way out of this mess is to print more money, you want to have an asset that has some degree of, longevity some degree of tradition to it that has been around a long time um and that um that will uh over time uh try to protect the purchasing power of of the dollar that you're earning And, and i think that's that's one of the benefits of the precious metals again the important thing is buying the metals from reputable dealers and not overpaying uh uh in terms of premiums because there's a lot of dealers out there that have taken advantage of a lot of different investors uh, what young or old um you know by by you know overcharging massive premiums you're seeing you know the the cftc commodities futures trading commission go after a few of them this last this last year um so you definitely want to do your research but there is um i think a great um, segment of a por- por- portion of your of your portfolio that you could segment to to gold and silver. Personally, I think silver uh, in uh, just in the hedge fund hedge fund that I manage. I'm just for full disclosure. I'm seventy percent weighted to silver, thirty percent weighted to gold, uh, and the idea behind that is one of them is that the relative valuation of silver relative to gold, I think, is is um, much more. Uh, I think silver is much more undervalued, and it's rel- you can see that in the gold-silver ratio. You know, traditionally, over the last 500 years, gold and silver, you know, that ratio has been, you know, 15 to one, 10 or 15 to one, uh, and naturally, silver to gold in the ground, there's about eight ounces to nine ounces of silver for every one ounce of gold in the ground. But why it's at 80 to one, for example, and it's been there for quite some time. Um, it may have a reversion to, of the mean back down toward thirty or twenty to one. So buying silver now, you could then convert that to maybe gold later and get more ounces of gold for your money. You know, it's just certain things that you know people can play with a little bit. They can they don't have to just buy a set amount of ounces of, of this or that. If they want to try and say, listen, I I see some value and this may be a great way to maybe add uh, a little bit extra you know, alpha to my portfolio. You, know, you buy maybe some silver. Um, uh, but uh and then you look at uh you know the platinum to gold ratio. Typically, platinum is usually more expensive than gold, uh, and it's been relatively very cheap to gold, especially also to palladium for the last few years. And pl- platinum is starting to wake up as well. You're starting to see uh the, the story behind platinum is really because of the supply issues out of South Africa and the uh, the the potential of deficits and tightness of market that will that will persist and and i think uh that might be um that might be something for someone to watch you know yeah it's it's just again it's a different appeal than than crypto and 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 bitcoin but you know again it's going to have different attributes and it's going to react to the market differently as well
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's more about like, I guess, I think that portfolio balance and like structure, right? Like, I mean, I, that's where I kind of can, can see this fitting in. Right. I mean, you know, when you kind of go through that, I guess the personal finance journey, so to speak, like when I was kind of first going through and like learning about, you know, how to create your wealth and other things like that, like there's a big aspect that people talk about as diversification, right. And, part of diversification is to kind of protect you from these difficult times, um, which, you know, seem to be looming ahead, right. With the fed raising interest rates, banks failing, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, if you go into all into a, you know, a stock, like, I don't know, like Tesla, for example, or even like crypto, like you don't even have to mention crypto. You can just mention a stock at this point because of how volatile the stock market's been, you know, you can, it was up 90% in January. Sure. That's great. You know, um, But at the end of the day, it also could go down 90% in a month as well. Um, And so, like, you know, theoretically, if you needed that money and your value of uh, that $100 that you needed is now $10, you're kind of shit out of luck at that point. So, you know, this is something where, you know, you guys provide liquidity. uh, It's relatively stable. Like, you're not going to see any big moves day to day your money's kind of safe there. Um, and, you know, theoretically it, it could increase over, you know, the the year, uh, you know, because it generally speaking performs well during these tougher times. So, you know, for, for me personally, I can see the argument to, 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 you know, kind of flock towards the precious metals, especially right now, um, you know, when you're seeing uh, just like kind of like, yeah, like, like I've said, like difficult economic times ahead. Um, but, uh, you know, w- when it comes to all of that and, you know, you guys have obviously the, the gold silver com like you have the Idaho armored vaults, like all that kind of stuff. Like, what are you most looking forward to like for the rest of the year? Uh, do you guys have any other big plans or um, just for, I guess, the company in general? Because we've been kind of talking about the market. So uh, r- relative to your company, do you guys have any big plans or uh, anything that you can, uh, I guess, disclose here? Or maybe it's maybe it's something personal that you got going on that you're looking forward to the rest of the year. A vacation would be nice. <laughs> yeah, we're actually working on uh,
1: disrupting the industry, um, the metals industry, with we're, we're getting ready to roll out an online uh, trading platform uh, to buy metals uh, at prices that we, we you know very close to what we have right now, right on our website, you know, where people can call in and buy over the phone with us. Uh, we're going to let, we're basically going to try to reach uh, via the, with the website, um, you know, and make it a little bit easier for people to to get a lot better prices. You know, we've been able to save people on average two to $5 an ounce uh, for silver uh, just in a savings of premiums. Um, and so what that basically entails is, The way the industry works currently is that, um, especially for people that want to store metals, for example, They'll tend to say, well, listen, that, that place charges X amount to store, and this one charges that much more. I'll just go with the cheaper one. But what they don't realize is the transactional expense to get that metal is really where the industry makes all their money. So I, we tend to save people about five to eight years worth of storage fees just from the transactional savings of buying the metal in the first place. And so but we also do drop shipping. We can send to the client as well. Um, so if they don't want to store, if they're just accumulating or they just want to hold it on their on on themselves uh, uh, or at their house, that type of thing, they can certainly do that. Um, it's something that we always try to I, I want people to experience this market. I think it's a, it's a great asset class to be in uh, at this at this point in time. You certainly haven't seen euphoria in the metals at all. You haven't seen that that fever, I guess you could say. And and that and you'll know when that comes. I mean, silver moves like a hockey stick when that time comes. It, it just goes vertical. Kind of like the nickel market. You know, when you see that vertical launch, that's a time that, okay, you're probably going to start unloading. Uh, because everyone is wanting to get in, and it's 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 exciting to be there. Just like when Bitcoin went to sixty four thousand, or whatever, you know, the public was jumping in, um, you know, because well, they want to be part of that excitement. Yeah, you know, it's it's the uh, madness of crowds, I guess you could say. But you haven't seen that yet with the metals. That's coming, and and that and that when that comes, it's not going to be that. Hey, listen, our environment. You know, in the United States, or maybe in the in the in the world, is is that great? There's going to be a lot of concern out there because the metals typically move more on a fear-driven uh, mentality than a greed mentality. Um, and you have to also remember, for the younger generation, there's a lot more people outside the United States. We're just a small portion of the overall population. There are a lot of countries that still view precious metals as a great investment as you know for example in you know many different cultures what you wear around your neck is what your is what you own and and so the gold is looked at as a as a savings account that you ju- you basically just wear instead of you know put into a bank uh so you still have a lot of tradition out there that that looks at the metals um maybe a little bit differently than western investors so that's something to kind of look at as well and this is unlike 1980 which was more us centric now we're looking at a global financial system that has, you know, debt piled up to its eyeballs in every country out there. And on top of that, this is the first time in human history that basically we are a completely fiat driven world. There is no currency that's backed by gold anymore. So uh, there is a lot of, a lot of debt, a lot of money, fiat money that's just backed by Total confidence. There is nothing backing it. So, uh, yeah, again, it's and I think that's one of the beautiful things that you know maybe Bitcoin has kind of brought to the forefront is people understanding, you know, maybe with tech, through technology, but understanding at least that hey, listen, the dollar isn't really backed by anything anymore. It was taken off the gold standard in seventy one and so forth, uh, and that's when you started to see inflation lift. Of course, all asset prices you know started going up, but. Uh, not only with asset prices going up, cost of living also went up as well. And I think that's that's we're walking into an, an, an atmosphere right now where uh, if you start to see any type of um, any type of recession that starts to, to poke its head here, and any type of uh, potential um, unemployment that starts to rise, that could really start hitting social instability. I guess you could say, you know, people that saying, "Listen, I can't afford," you know groceries now or i don't have you know more than a thousand bucks in terms of emergency savings well wait what happens when you start to see people lose jobs um you know we we've just lived in an era of the last three years which was packed with stimulus and moratoriums on paying rent and paying your mortgage and paying your automobile and your student loans You know, imagine now you're being forced to pay all these things at a time when you know the fed is raising rates to try and curb the economy which is in their attention is trying to curb inflation which ends up you know taking you right out of a job
0: yeah and it seems like it's like the never-ending cycle right i mean it doesn't seem like there's any good way that this really ends i mean i think there was even like a I don't know if it was real or not some people are saying it might have been ai but jerome powell got duped uh i don't know if you saw that he got oh yeah yeah video yes basically saying that a recession is imminent so i mean if he's even saying it i guess we, we have to believe it at this point i i don't know anybody that can really deny it you know what what's kind of ahead and you know the way that powell's kind of lined it up you know there's going to be more pain with unemployment you know now he's saying that there's definitely going to be a recession with raising rates but his, you know, reasoning is because that's the only way that they really know how to fight uh, inflation. So all in all, like, I mean, it's making a solid argument for the precious metals. Obviously it's not financial advice or anything like that, but um, yeah, I mean, I really appreciate you you coming on here, Bob, and uh, coming to sure. talk to me a little bit about precious metals. Like I haven't had anybody uh, kind of take a deep dive into this market yet. So I think it's uh it's an interesting one and in that you guys definitely provide like a great service for you know, the average person to kind of get in on it. So, um, on that note, why don't you tell people where they could find you and what you got going on?
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, we're, uh, our website is, uh, www.goldsilvervault.com. Just all one word. Um, uh, we're located in Idaho. Uh, we run one of the larger private, uh, depositories in the country. Um, uh, we also provide logistics support as well. Uh, and then we can also, uh, uh, uh buy and sell metals make a two-way market uh we can we can help with delivery of metals we can help with logistical support if you're you know say just accumulated metal uh or maybe you inherited some metal and you just don't know what to do with it or maybe you just don't want to store it in the house so to speak we can help um move that metal or bring it to our facility um you know there's cer- certainly different ways to to try and help uh the individual out there you know trying to protect their portfolio but what we do is more in terms of when it's called asset protection, when you're dealing with a physical asset, we're literally safeguarding people's you know, retirements or the, or the college education or, you know, you know, a state or whatever you want to call it. Um, that's what we do. Uh, and I think that's what the metals represent. It's 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 more than just simply just. You know, bearer bullion or uh, uh, coins or bars. It's it represents you know people's trust uh, in the system or or you know their hard earned dollars. Uh, and I think that's the way you have to kind of look at just like with any investment out there. Just try to temper uh, you know the the emotions, I guess, of the market. Uh, the the advantage with with owning. A physical item for example you may be not as tempted to buy and sell as fast uh because you know you don't it's a little bit harder to to unload uh so to speak versus just mouse clicking you know a stock or or you know a cryptocurrency or something of that nature so it it tends to make you focus more on the long term and i think that's one of the advantages that the metals have um uh, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, from that standpoint, we also, I'm also a registered investment advisor uh, as well. So a lot of times I can help clients sort of understand the markets a little bit, understand, you know, the, the, you know, especially when it comes to the physical metals, you know, how the market's structured, what's affecting the market prices and, you know, w- what players are doing out there. You know, I get into all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, it's awesome stuff. You should check out uh, goldsilvervault.com. And also, did, you didn't even plug your your Twitter. What is oh. it? Plus ID. Uh, yeah, so I mean, I'll link all that. I mean, you you get on Twitter spaces. You've come on mine as well. Um, and I'm sure you'll be popping in here uh, in the near future as well. So um, yeah, overall, great stuff. And uh, Bob, thanks so much for your time, man.
1: Sure, I appreciate it. Thank you again.